Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time to check in with College Football Network's Cam Mellon for the latest on college football. 20, 15, 10, and bounces his way into the end zone. Touchdown! Get the latest football news at collegefootballnetwork.com. Follow Cam on Twitter at Cam Meller. All right, time to talk a little uh, college football, and uh, we're now nine days away, the start of the college football season, so games are right upon us, and always good to catch up with Cam. Good morning, how are you? Terrific. Nine days, single digits, it feels like it's here. It feels like football. Um, I don't know why I'm even asking this, but but, but the comparison to, to, to the National Football League on, on several fronts, um, we don't play preseason games in college football. We start the season and we watch teams play. In the National Football League, we obsess over preseason games and then we make a big deal about who plays and doesn't play. In college football, a coach thinks if you let anybody in to see a practice or scrimmage, you're giving away the secret sauce uh, to the Big Mac. In the NFL, we open up workouts every day for any fan to sit and watch everything that takes place. In the NFL... We get these dual practices where guys go hard and we get fights, but then players can't play in the preseason uh, game on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So what do you make of the interesting comparison on how we all treat preseasons in both sports? It's so it's so unique to me, <laughs> the similarities, but then the complete dissimilarity to how it's run. They're both run like businesses, but the businesses in college, it's, it feels like it's so much more private. They, they, it's like a private entity being run. And so to me, the, the need and desire for injury reports, depth charts, and, uh, you know, that level of access would actually make jobs a little bit easier. But honestly, that's what makes college football so great is that you truly don't know what you're going to get when week zero trots out, especially when week one trots out and we have all these teams. So to me, it adds to the mystery. Um, it makes my job a little bit more difficult, your job a little bit more difficult. But, uh, but here we are still talking about it and still just ever waiting for that uh, the, this final week, week zero games to hit. Um, I always uh, find our way to talk about the draft and quarterbacks and, and at College Football Network and your sister side of Pro Football Network. We have to have a preseason seven-round mock draft, which you know I had to go look at and click on and scroll all the way through. Um, and, and it is kind of still an NFL question because I, I made this point again last week. The Bucks start uh, Baker Mayfield. He plays you know good in, in a preseason game. Kyle Trask you know, isn't as sharp. Trask will get a chance to play. Uh, this week more, I maintain the Bucks are one of those teams that might, in today's NFL world, tank, uh, try, but just not build a roster that you can win. And I say because the class could be that good uh, for quarterbacks. I saw in the Pro Football Network mock, and Quinn Ewers in the second round is kind of interesting, as, uh, as many as six of the first 40 picks going into this season. It's, uh, it's a great combination of untapped potential with these quarterbacks and the need and desire for the last two quarterback classes that didn't have depth. And so I think what we're seeing is a combination of both. This class might be good. It may not be the best one we've seen in the past decade, maybe, but it's up there. And then I think it's just that great combination of factors that if you didn't want to swing and miss two years ago, and, you know, we saw the team swing this past season, but but to me, it's we're, we're looking at like a two-year train of teams, you know, foregoing, going for the gap year quarterback, 
And then this year, we have some guys at the, t- at the top, obviously, Caleb Williams, Drake May, prototypical guys. But I think the unknowns behind them and how high can those players really, truly ascend. I think, you know, you look at a guy like even Shadoover Sanders, if he performs as he did at Jackson State for Colorado against some of those Pac-12 defenses, he's a guy who can vault his name up there as well. So Quinn Ewer is the same thing. He stays healthy. I think we're already talking about him there. Maybe a little high, but let's see him a full season. Jordan Travis as well. I mean, it's it's untapped potential from guys that are continuing to ascend as well. So I, I don't uh, – I, I see the six in the top 40 maybe, and I think it's a great combination of reasons why. We talked about it before, and I saw him firsthand last year, but I, I'm going to really watch Ryder Leonard. I, I I came away so impressed and was a big fan after, you know, Duke manhandled UCF for the bowl game last year in a game that I think they really wanted to play. Um, what's his next step as you look at Riley Leonard at Duke? And showing he can run the offense. Uh, I think that's the next step for him. We know he's a dominant athlete. We saw that. We know he's got great skill with his arm. Uh, but I think if he could sit in the pocket, diagnose, and, and then watch what happens and sort of show that next step of a quarterback growth from the pocket, you know, it, the, I think the expression, be more of a passer instead of a thrower, he's just sort of throwing the ball around. I think he did a really good job last year of taking steps every single game. You saw him get better. And I think if he really truly continues that ascension, he's another one of these ACC quarterbacks that is in that conversation because of the tools that he has. So these teams are going to bank on tools and size. And if, if he continues to show that progression, I think, playing from within the structure of that Duke offense, I think really sees him continue. And honestly, Duke is the dark horse to to make some moves in the ACC this year. Um, ACC quarterback on the move with Sam Hartman. He's at Notre Dame. His experience, uh, you know, is invaluable. His health is one that I think Notre Dame knows that they need. The personnel around him, we know they got talent at tight end, but but as you look at Notre Dame, and not just with the Navy game they've got coming up, and I was talking about schedules earlier, Notre Dame, holy smokes, is this an un-Notre Dame-like schedule? Um, with that non, uh, not non-conference, but I mean some of those games early. But their offense with Hartman, what can it be this year? Talented, and I think we get to really truly see what Sam Hartman is. I know the talk has been, and we've talked about it. We get to see him outside of that friendly long mesh RPO style offense from Dave Clawson at, at Wake Forest. But let's see if he can actually elevate some of the players around him. I think what we have at Notre Dame is is a group of guys that maybe were ready to take the next step but didn't quite have the quarterback play to help them nor the consistency. So I think year two, you have a guy um, who is a Tobias Merriweather, a young kid who's going to be one of those guys I think that we're going to start hearing more about as the season goes on. And then we'll, we'll talk about him for the 2024 NFL draft at receiver. Uh, Chris Tyree, been there forever. Uh, sort of a guy like that I think needs a guy who can, like Hartman, who can get the ball to him. Uh, you know, on time and, and in space. Uh, and then you have Isime at running back. I mean, a bowling ball, right, who, who continues to bowl people over after the play is over even. So to me, Hartman, it, it's a lot on him, and it's a lot, I think, this Notre Dame team. He might have been the key to finally unlock what this team could be under Marcus Freeman. Yeah, again, that Notre Dame schedule, it's Navy in Ireland, then Tennessee State is coming to South Bend. Um, that used to never even be allowed unless it was the Tennessee part. Um, but... Uh, anyway, um, Stanford and Cal and, and all this discussion about their future conference affiliation, but what happened to both programs? I mean, both, in, 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 and we're not that far removed when David Shaw's team was averaging 9, 10 wins a game and getting um, to the Rose Bowl, uh, and Cal's produced a number of quarterbacks in the last uh, you know dozen years. What happened to the talent of those two places? They have not evolved with the game of football in my opinion i think we saw it 
we threw David Shaw in the hot seat last year before the season started and, and took some flack for it. But if you look at it, he didn't allow transfers in at that point. He didn't allow early enrollees. And that's just a, a microcosm of, of where that team was heading, Stanford is. And we saw it obviously lead to the ultimate demise for Shaw. But I think both the, the game has, has sort of passed them by. They, they were not getting transfers in. Justin Wilcox, as great as he is as a coach, as a football guy, He's, a, he's an old-school football guy who hasn't really gotten up to speed with the new-age uh, you know, offenses, but also you have to recruit all season long. And I think ultimately I covered Cal and Stanford closely for a full season, and there's no buy-in around them. There's, there's not a whole lot to do out there in terms of football. And the, the, you know, the fans, it's, hard. it's a hard sell if you bring a couple of those high-end recruits from California and you know, those stadiums aren't full and the crowds aren't loud or ruckus and they're going down to USC, UCLA, and they are. So... To me, it's a, the football has sort of passed them by, and they needed a radical change at both. Um, wide receivers, uh, I, I, I brought this number up the other day, comparing offenses of 20 and 40 years ago, the number of 1,000-yard rushers and receivers and 3,000-yard quarterbacks. You can imagine in 1982 there weren't that many that threw for 3,000 yards, a lot more. Um, now you look at guys that are 1,000-yard receivers because the way we split the ball around in four or five wide sets, it's interesting with the numbers. But... We talk about talent. Ohio State, people know about Marvin Harrison Jr., but they better know about the other guy because they might have the best one-two combo in college football, right? Tough. It's, I don't think anybody really competes. Maybe you have Washington that competes, and honestly, I'd throw UTSA in the hat with, with Cephas and Franklin. So, uh, or Cephas and Clark, excuse me. To me, Emeka Ibuka, this is a guy who, if he's, a, if he's on any other roster, he's essentially wide receiver number one. Um, he just happens to play behind Marvin Harrison. So what that does for this Ohio State offense is whoever's going to play quarterback for them this year gives them a viable second option who should be open immediately. So Ibuka has great separation ability, both on his routes and in his release off the line of scrimmage. So McCord, Brown, whoever they're throwing back there, quarterback should uh, should have a leg up and should have a great, you know, he's going to be the number two in the offense. There's no discredit to him. Uh, it's just the fact that he is right behind Marvin Harrison. But he's every bit as talented as any other receiver in the country. Who's the third best team talent-wise in the Big Ten to you? Michigan, and that's just because I'm worried no, about third the best. I'm going, no, I'm going, I, no, I'm going I, Penn State. Oh, okay, okay, in the okay. top two. Okay, I got you. So yeah, it's a okay, I got you. for the question. Yeah. All right. So no, I think I think those three. The we have the Big Ten East, right? I think Penn State might. Maybe I'm riding the hype train a little bit too much, but if you look at what our our colleague Bruce Feldman's freaks list and six of them in the top forty or top fifty or whatever it is, Penn State is, is the real deal this year. I think everything's aligned for them this season. Then who's fourth? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a tough one. I'm still gonna look directly at the powers that we that are and maybe say Wisconsin. I think Fickle's done enough to bring in his own team, his players, his dudes, and they're gonna have some talented guys who know how to move. Uh, move the ball on the uh, offensive line. So Wisconsin until proven otherwise. I know we talked during the offseason a little bit about Texas A&M. So Bobby Petrino comes in, and I don't know if it's just the SEC or what, but then people fell in love, and that, you know now top 25 team projected. So we're supposed to see uh, a big jump. Now recruiting classes would tell you that the talent's been there despite some guys that have left. Um, are you on that Texas A&M bandwagon, and will Petrino help that offense be that much better? I think he'll help the offense be that much better, but until that defense proves that they're not just, you know, some of a couple of pieces are on their talented high school fresh, you know, high school players that have not really been developed. They can recruit all they want. 
fool me once, Jimbo. I will not allow him to fool me twice. So I'm not buying into Texas A&M until we see a little bit more from the offense, until we see Connor Wegman take that next step as well. Uh, maybe Petrino's the guy to unlock Wegman and, and really allow him to to harness his ability. But that defense, I know it's a couple of five stars on that defensive line. Until they start playing like a group of players, uh, that's all they are to me is just talented high school players. Graham Mertz spoke for the first time. We didn't even know he was allowed to speak, but but he actually <laughs> was allowed to hold a press conference. We talked about him at Wisconsin the first year. It's like, well, wow, and then maybe it wasn't the progression that you thought. But with Florida's offense and a couple of really talented backs, he's got something to kind of work with. It, it, they're not going to fling it 35, 40 times a game and probably shouldn't with those backs there. But what might be Graham Mertz in Florida's offense as it is right now? He just has to play, you know, the, there, there's no better term than game manager. I think he just has to be the game manager. He can't lose the game for Florida uh, because ultimately I think he'll lose his job if that's the case, if he's losing games for him. But to me, with the talent they have, the I think the offensive line should be getting better as the season goes on, too. I know they get into the SEC schedule, so it'll be a little bit more difficult. But I think he can be the quarterback to lead them to some wins, you know, wins as long as he's not losing them for them. I, I think it's probably a cop-out. I think that's who he needs to be, though. He needs to be the guy that doesn't lose anything for Florida, play situational football properly, uh, and just ultimately, you know, take what any defense is going to give him. I, I don't think he needs to be Superman, because uh, that's where we saw him get in trouble during his time at Wisconsin. Um, we studied uh, transfers uh, uh, during the off season. This is now part of college football. I'm curious, because you look at this far closer than I do, the number of guys that made that G5 to P5 jump uh, because I want to test myself against better competition. One guy, for example, uh, obviously I'm following UCF, Decorian Patterson, was at Middle Tennessee, seven picks last year. Now he gets to test himself against Big 12 competition. Did we see a lot of that throughout the country where players kind of get an idea, look, there's a pretty good pretty good scouting report on you you want to make it even better go take advantage of an opportunity to play at a higher level yeah i think we've seen and you know off the top of my head some of the receivers really jump out to me from some of the guys we've seen as thousand twelve hundred yard receivers making that leap up uh and then ultimately i think you know i i'll go to Sadu Traore, the tight end from arkansas state last year who went to colorado and has now transferred out to the sec he's a player where you know they have what you have. We have what you have on them. They may have flashed in ability. Traore against Ohio State with an immaculate reception over the back of a defender with you know offense or defensive pass interference in front of him. So go do that for 12 games on a you know a P5 schedule. I think it's probably the new norm for these guys that maybe they're juniors and maybe they come back for a season to to really supplant themselves. They're getting you know fringe day three grades or hearing from scouts and agents that they might be a day two player, but you know getting themselves in the first round. I think that might be the new wave of of college football if they can't get there before. Uh, so to me, it's it's a great way for them to do it, you to test themselves, because any, either way you know it, one way or the other, whether you're going to be a first-round pick or or you really are who, who uh, everybody may have thought you were. But, yeah, it's it probably part of the new age of, of the transfer portal as well. Next week, I'm going to ask you about games. That'll be fun. <laughs> That'll be good. I'm excited. Um, we'll the ground in Ireland for Navy-Notre Dame as well. So Wait, you're going? Is that what you said? I so I, I'm sending somebody. Oh, oh, they so said. We'll, oh, okay. We'll I should be there. I, uh, I'm definitely going to go next season to the FSU Georgia Tech Ireland game. But uh, until then, it was great. I mean, when I was there in '14, it was it, it was awesome. It was an incredible experience, uh, a, a fun thing uh, indeed. Please follow him on Twitter, X, whatever you're calling it, at Cam Miller, uh, CollegeFootballNetwork dot com. Uh, the season is upon us. We'll talk next week. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks as always. It's the eleven o'clock hour. Mike DeCourcy, the Sporting News, his thoughts on. 
uh, the impact that college basketball is going to feel of what we watched in college football. Uh, plus, his latest column was a message to Florida State fans about, well, not to Florida State fans, about the school and their thoughts on the ACC. He'll join us, plus a history lesson that you're not going to want to miss today. But the 11 o'clock hour kicks off with the news next. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.